0: Hey everyone, my name is Brian Howard. I'm a Calgary realtor who has sold an average of a house a week since moving to this great city in 2003. And this is Calgary Living, Real Estate and Lifestyle. I'm interviewing Calgary's top performers as it relates to living and lifestyle in our great city. Some of the podcasts will be real estate decision specific, but most will be about life in Calgary and why we choose to live here, or at least why you should visit. Thanks for tuning in. Well, folks, welcome to another edition of Living in Calgary. I'm your host, Brian Howard, and today I have my old friend, my old colleague, a fellow real estate investor from way back in the day of Rain, the Real Estate Investment Network of Alberta, I think it was originally called, and then became off of Canada, Bill Biko. Bill, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks, Brian. I'm pretty excited to be here. So I think we're going to have some fun today.
0: We are going to have some fun. Bill, you reached out to me most recently because you were kind enough to listen to one of my recent podcasts with my old coach, Steve Powers, a real estate coach. And um, we're just kind of like really wanting to catch up. And I really, really appreciate that catch up. Because you and I have been through the ringer, or through a lot, since we started investing in Calgary, I think, um, investing in real estate in Calgary, I think you started investing kind of vigorously in 2003, and I started investing vigorously in January of 2004. Is that
1: the truth? Well, it's pretty pretty darn close. Yeah, it was uh, summer of 2003. We, we started going crazy and bought a ton of property in the next four or five years, and we we did go through the ringer i mean we saw the boom and we were fortunate enough we survived through the downturn but uh, i think a lot of it was luck <laughs> but I, I know a lot of other investors when we had that first downturn just took a, a major bath and got completely out of real estate now you know having said that we didn't escape unscathed i mean we sold off a bunch of properties to survive we had joint venture partners to pay out but we came through and you know, the saving grace was we had a ton of cash flow on a bunch of our properties, and as we discussed in our catch-up meeting, I, I ran a bunch of rooming houses, so weekly furnished mm-hmm. rentals, which were high cash flow, but it was also high turnover, and uh, you know that just created a lot of let's let's call it burnout. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've had over 1,500 tenants since I've started, and uh, you know I'm very thankful for my tenants, but you know it got to the point where. I'm just not as excited to be a real estate investor the last five or six years. It's just kind of taken me over the edge. So
0: It's funny, Bill. um, In a nutshell, kind of that's it. And and here you and I are back in like, we're recording this in early March, 2022 and the investor hotness, uppityness and confidence is like through the roof again, where uh, like people are, you know, Writing offers with no conditions and paying, you know, lots of money over list price. And we've seen this market before. You and I both for the first time probably in 2006, 7, and then maybe again a little bit in 2013, 14. And now we're back at it. So we want this podcast to be fun <laughs> for the listeners. We don't want to be too skeptic, but maybe I mean some of our listeners will like maybe take a piece out of this and I don't give pause, but I guess kind of some of the things I'd like to talk about a little bit is well your, your life experience here in Calgary and, and, and what you do currently and bring it all back to investing in, or you know, to real estate somehow. Bill, are you born and raised a Calgarian?
1: No, I was uh, born and raised a couple hours outside of the city over in Brooks area. So grew up there and came to Calgary in 82. Initially was here for a couple of years, going to university. University just wasn't my thing left realized the small town was no longer my thing and was back in Calgary a few years later. So I've been here in Calgary full-time. I guess it was uh, fall of 84-ish, roughly. So wow.
0: what did you do for those 15, almost 20 years before you sort of said, hey, I'm a real estate investor and uh, actively like sought out gen- joint venture partners and such things? Um, I what did do 20
1: years? Holy cow, so many different stories now. So I worked <laughs> up at the airport for a while. I got into video stores. I became a remember those. You had to actually physically go into a store. So right. I worked with the video show place, which later became Rogers Video, which is where I met my wife. And then I got into the computer industry and spent almost well, 17 years in the computer industry, various different levels. And then at some point, like many real estate investors, we read that silly little book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the light switch went on and we had no idea what we were going to do but we knew we had to start making money for ourselves instead of just making money for everybody else mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of soul searched for a little while and suddenly it was like real estate is a thing so we kind of jumped into that and it was really good timing like we said back in 2003 rules were entirely different it was a wild west and we were able to jump in hard like i mentioned and you know we bought I think it was five properties, six properties in the first five or six months that we started up and basically minimal cash Mm -hmm. because the rules are so different between uh, all the rules we had back then with being able to uh, take over mortgages and uh, special deals with developers and such. We were able to get in pretty quick and move forward fairly quick and picked up a lot of strategies along the way. You know, Rain was very, very positive in that matter because we met a bunch of people who were doing a lot of the same things we were doing. So we became creative and and grew and grew, and uh, you know, as we grew, we realized that we couldn't do it with all our with our money. We we're running out of money, so it turned into joint venture partners and just expanded. And then, rooming houses, and it it just became fun. So a, a lot of the stuff we did as well. We started as flippers, so we were buying, renovating, and selling, usually making money, but not always. It's not like TV; you don't make money every time. Uh, you want to, but we'd we'd make money, and first flip would support us. Second flip would typically help us buy a rental property. Third flip would possibly buy another one or support us a little better, and just kind of go that way. And then, as we bought rental properties, had them running for a year, we'd be able to show investors numbers and be able to bring in, you know, investors on a performing property. And mm-hmm. we had all our numbers down point at that point, so it just made the whole process simpler and easier to get partners in.
0: Hmm. And sort of, I'd like to jump back to this too. And now with all these years in sort of Alberta and now, you know, Calgary since 84, what strikes you most about living in Calgary?
1: You know, being a small town kid, it was nice to come up to the big city. And I mean, we used to, Buddy and I would drive up for the weekend and hang out with friends and, and do stuff like that before I was back up here full time. But it was just it was exciting for us coming to the big city. Now I've been to many bigger cities since and it just strikes a nice balance. It's a big city, but it's not overly big. It's not Toronto crazy or Los Angeles crazy. Up until the last few years, traffic wasn't so bad. <laughs> you know, it was you could get around. It was easy to get around everywhere. People were so friendly and Back to the rooming house business, I dealt with a lot of international agencies. I dealt with companies that brought in foreign workers from Europe and from Mexico and churches that brought in workers and the unions that were bringing in people. So I got to meet people from all over the country and all over, well, not just North America, but all over the planet, it felt like. And, you know, they all just seemed to really enjoy coming to Calgary. And I enjoyed showing off Calgary. It was, it's just a great place. So close to everything's good stuff.
0: What's really easy for you these days, Bill?
1: Is anything easy anymore? Staying home right now. Holy (laughs) cow. You know, it's, it's easy to stay home. And I think that's a bit of a trap, which is also a positive in some ways, because I've found in the last year and a half, it's actually opened up a lot of opportunity for me to reach out to people. You know, I've talked to people like yourself that I had lost contact with. We get too busy with our lives. Now you're sitting at home a little bit more. You've got a little more, Time in theory, it's allowed me to reach out to a bunch of people and just touch base and catch up and see what's happening. And now with the the takeoff of programs like Zoom, it's been phenomenal. Well, at times I did spend an hour and a half trying to get my mother-in-law's TV to work properly via Zoom this <laughs> afternoon. So there are some stresses as well. Yes, <laughs> it, it,
0: good.
1: That, that's kind of that's kind of my story. I'm I'm doing a lot of landlord consulting. I'm helping landlords and and even some tenants with some of the eviction process in Alberta um, since
0: you you became an expert in the residential tenancy act is that what we say or the um, RTS is
1: that R- RTA 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 using the rtdRS uh, which is a residential tenancy dispute resolution service uh, for tenant yeah. eviction so again back to the rooming houses dealing with so many tenants I had to know the laws in and out and I got to the point where I was helping landlords with it and then I evolved to Creating my own website, albertaeviction.com, where I was helping landlords and tenants. You know, my thoughts and my ideas I'm going to help good landlords with bad tenants, and I'm going to help good tenants with bad landlords. Uh, I don't want people breaking the rules and making it more difficult for us landlords. You know, there's enough mm-hmm. rules in place, and if we screw around and try to skirt the rules and make it more difficult for tenants, it's just going to get worse for us. We see it in a lot of the very tenant friendly regions where more and more restrictive rules are put in place. So um, more of my story is as, as we did that downturn in 2007 and kind of sat in our hands going, oh, it's going to end in a year. Oh, it's going to end in two years. Oh, it's going to end in three years. You know, I, I built up uh, Alberta Eviction, which kind of led me to another site as I found out how ill educated so many landlords are and mm-hmm. created the educated which actually helps landlords across the planet. So I have landlords from Australia, South Africa, across North America, even into Europe that are picking up some of my courses and some of my information which is more generic, you know, systems and processes. You know, I was dealing with 70 plus tenants on a monthly basis at one point and you had to have all kinds of systems and processes to make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's kind of amazing. I've downsized the majority of my properties and I seem to have less time now than when I was all systemated and regimented and had all these processes. And now that I'm free-flowing, it's like, where did all my time go?
0: Right. Interesting. Let me ask, though: how does your intuition system work for you? I mean, having all these rentals, these like rooming houses, and like a lot of the experiences you've had in the last 20 years, especially... I would say that you have to really rely on your intuition system. JV partners, (laughs) you know, finding a JV partner, deciding to work with them, you know, firing a JD, seeing that, uh, you know, a dog property may not be working and letting it go. After all these experiences, tell us a little bit about intuition and maybe uh, relate it to what's happening in today's market as we've already referenced once in this call and earlier last week, I guess.
1: It's... uh... That's a lot. That's
0: a lot. Sorry.
1: Well, (laughs) intuition really comes in into dealing with a lot of the tenants. And because I was dealing with so many people and with rooming houses, you're not doing credit checks on everybody. So you've got to get gut feels fairly quick and you've got to react really quick. So a lot of it comes down to my initial questions that I ask people and the feeling I get back. Same with joint venture partners. When you're talking to people, you can tell if they're interested or not. And then you just have to see if they're going to be a good fit for you and you're going to be a good fit for them, which takes me to some of the less fun stories. Uh, I mean, we had one property and again, back in the good old days when it was so easy to get mortgages, we had a mortgage, a three-year term on a property and then prices dropped on the property and then the lender didn't want to renew. I've been there. Yeah. You know, and we had a joint venture on the property. We'd never missed a payment. Cash flow was great out of the property. It was a rooming house. And now suddenly we had to either sell it or we had to get new financing, which meant we had to come up with like another $60,000. And it's like, it, the numbers just didn't work. You know, the economy still wasn't cooking. We were kind of on the downside. Was it going to be five, 10, 15 years before it turned into something where we'd get the money back? So we decided to sell it. So immediately the market got worse. Seems to be my 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 motto. If if I need to sell something, the market just takes another downturn. And you know, we eventually sold it, but we ended up having a, a joint venture partner that lost some money. And we then, because it we we dragged him, and I'm going to use the word drag, we dragged him into this venture and we expected it to do well. We spent the next three and a half, four years making monthly payments to get him back to what he originally put in. You know, so that came out of our pocket, but that's just how we felt things should be done. And we hoped we didn't have any more properties like that. So.
0: <laughs> so did I hear you're right? You ended up selling it cause you had to, cause they wouldn't refinance it. And then you actually paid him back his principal investment over three or four years with monthly payment.
1: We paid the majority of it back. So we took a much bigger loss and he took a smaller loss. So
0: as you think back to that, I mean, so sitting here in my perspective, That wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It was an investment that he made. You know, you weren't guaranteeing increases. Do you think that you should have paid him back? What was lost? Or I guess you were the real estate expert and you decided on this three-year mortgage that came due. So, I mean, maybe, maybe you do take the, you know, making personal payments to him over four years monthly, that hurts.
1: Well, it, it did. But I mean, he was, he was struggling worse than us. So, you know, it just made you made
0: that decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Would I do it every time if I had the funds to do it? Yeah, probably. Absolutely, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to, sc- yeah. I don't want to screw people over. You know, they came in yeah. and, again, I'm the expert. I'm supposed to make things worse or I'm not supposed to make things worse. I'm supposed to make things better when things go worse. Yeah. You yeah. know, Typically we'll have a plan B and a plan C, but when plan C and C, uh, C and D and E aren't working and you have to go to F, right. ditch the you property, had already.
0: You already turned it into a rooming house to increase cash flow. Cash flow was excellent, even though I'm I'm just guessing. I'm just going to throw out these numbers. You bought this at the peak of the market for let's just say 350. It was 2010 or 11. It was now worth 265, (laughs) and you had turned it into a rooming house, and we're probably making 2,500 bucks a month on it. And and, but the bank wanted their money back, and you probably financed it when you bought it for 350 ish for like or actually you probably paid 380. I bet. It was actually even less. You financed it at five percent, yeah, five percent down or ten percent down. So the mortgage was like three thirty when it was worth, you know, assuming you paid three fifty, the mortgage was three thirty, and now it's worth two sixty five in two thousand and nine or ten,
1: right? It was something like that. Wasn't quite that bad, but same kind of idea. I mean, we bought it for about about three fifteen. It dropped down to about three hundred. We had five percent financing on it, so it was right around three hundred thousand financing. And then we sold it for two eighty five ish, and had to right. pay commissions and all kinds of other stuff on it, and then additional right. legal fees for. So it was it was a good time.
0: Yeah, so I know that those numbers only because a similar experience. I was buying at the time, well, in two thousand and four, early in Altador, buying fifty foot lots, single family homes, bungalows for up to three hundred thousand, and then that changed quickly and jumped to four fifty. So then I started buying in Forest Lawn and I was buying in Forest Lawn, these are similar type houses that I was buying in Southwest and Altadore for $330,000 in 2007 that dropped. Oh, and I would get like financing on it with JV partners and the mortgage would be 300 or something. And uh, they, they dropped to probably 250, maybe 275. And uh, then the bank wanted all their money back.
1: <laughs> Weird how they're like that.
0: <laughs> Who would have thought?
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Bill, what is it that you love most about
1: Calgary? <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of changing. I, I just, I used to love how friendly everybody was. And I found that as we've gotten so much bigger in the last, you know, five to 10 years, that is distancing a little bit more. You know, when I moved into the neighborhood I'm in now, I ended up knowing all of my neighbors. You meet them, you chat with them, you talk with them. Maybe you have a beer in the backyard together or, or chat so front. And there's been a lot of turnover over here since. And, you know, I still know most of them, but it, it's not quite the same as it used to be. And I think it's mm-hmm. as we become this bigger and bigger city, you lose that, that hominess, that, that tightness it used to have. Not that it's gone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it just seems a little different than it used to be.
0: What's keeping you here right now?
1: Well, <laughs> Where are you going next? It's kind of home right now, but you know, as I mentioned, the the elderly parents, my wife's parents are are out in Victoria. So we may end up taking a little jaunt out there for a few years and help them along. You can only do so much via Zoom. And you know, my wife was making frequent trips when they were having some health issues, and so she was out there for three weeks and then home for a couple weeks and then back out there for three weeks. And we foresee more of that taking place in the future so it might just be easier to hang out there for a few years
0: is your i think uh, karen's an artist your life i believe and uh primarily and and you i mean most of your work can pretty much at this time be done anywhere can't
1: it 99 percent of the stuff i do is all online phone calls zoom calls Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm not locked down anywhere and i actually started transitioning to more of that years ago yeah. So, I may have to sell some more property just to finalize everything and make it a little more streamlined. But, you know, I, and I could probably still manage my property because I managed properties remotely for years just by having people with feet on the ground. that could deal with a lot of the stuff I was doing. Right. But, you know, back to that burnout phase, it might just be easier to start fresh out there for a while, hang out and, and just build more business up.
0: Right, how's the boom bust economy? I mean, like I feel like you and I have been like almost like no one else because we're of this age where, not it was more like our dads were buying property in the early '80s at you know 18 and 20 percent interest rates, and then I mean I was in the East Coast and you were in Alberta. How bad was your was your family affected by the 1982 crisis here, and then just the sort of steady, steady, steady. And then 1996 things started to go up you got involved in real estate investing at a really good time in 2003 you know boomed in 2000 late 2005 six, seven, 8. you and i both thought we were really rich millionaires <laughs> and then it crashed yeah. in, in 09 010 um I learned, to, unlike you going the rooming house route and you know, I, I learned to sell real estate at a high level, meaning earning a lot of commission fast to pay back a lot of bad debt and sort of stay on top. And then 2013 and 14, the boom happened again, or somewhat of a boom. And I was able to start to feel good again. <laughs> and now here we are, we went through about five, six, seven, well, really seven years of nothing. I mean, in terms of real estate in Alberta, like prices just pretty much consistently dropped for seven years. And now we're back up. How does this, how do you deal with the boom bust? You, your family, your friends, the people that you've seen come out of it unscathed and done really well. And then people really like you and I who've suffered a fair amount.
1: Well, the people who survived focused on cash flow.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, the big thing I caution a lot of investors is if you're hoping if appreciation is going to make the deal work, it's it's speculation, it's pure speculation. You don't know when that cycle is going to end, especially in Alberta. I mean, it's it's getting things are apparently slowing down a little bit now more properties showing up in the market, oil spiking, so we'll probably see a local push where things are going to start looking better for a while. But how long will that last? Will it be a year? Will it be a two years? You know. So if you're if you're getting through, and I mean, this is kind of what we we were talking about back in that two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. It's like it, properties never come down; they always go up. You know, that's just what we get used to. And it was a real eye opener. And you know, we were we made money on all the properties, but I don't know if you can really count five dollars, ten dollars a month as really making money, especially if you've got maintenance or vacancy costs that you have to deal with. And those rooming houses, you know, they were pretty massive cash flow. So as I said, that just kind of saved everything and, and allowed yeah. us to move forward and allowed us to make some decisions versus other individuals who had, you know, I, I know people who had 15, 20 properties that they were only making a hundred dollars a month cash flow when it was good. Mm-hmm. And when it dived, they were losing money on every property every month, and they were also down fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in equity in every property. So it was Pretty scary for a lot of individuals, which led to bankruptcies and foreclosures and all kinds of less fun times. So if you're focusing on cash flow, cash flow and time will correct all the mistakes you're going to make. Mm-hmm. You know, that cash flow gets you the time and then the time itself allows you to get your mortgages paid down. It allows the market to move up and down and just puts you in a better position.
0: Do with with all your experience of like the cash flow, especially. I guess and, and so right now, in order to make a property cash flow in Calgary, if you're paying, I don't know, five hundred thousand or more, I would say that cash flow would be very difficult on almost any property, over five hundred thousand. Yet I'm getting today calls from Vancouver and Toronto investors that are more than happy to pay six thirty for, you know, a house, you know, in Cranston, a single family detached home. And what what's your feeling about this in terms of intuition is calgary going to do what toronto and vancouver did and go up i don't know, 30 50 percent in the next 18 months uh, any thoughts on that 15
1: years ago i would have said yes but no my yeah. experience is it's not gonna i i think th- there's no economic reason well actually now there is sorry with oil going up like it has been there's finally an economic mm-hmm. reason for prices to be increasing in alberta but as you mentioned, we've got so many people coming from Vancouver and Toronto, you know this whole pandemic era where people don't have to work in an office anymore. They can do all their work remotely. So now we have somebody, as an example, somebody who's got a, an 1,100 square foot bungalow in Toronto that they've just sold for $1.2, $1.3 million, and they see a 2,500 square foot house in Cranston for only $630,000. That's a steal. Yeah. They're ecstatic. And, you know, some of the investors from Ontario are just fed up with the rules out there. It's taking them six, 12, 18 months to get a tenant out and they're not getting paid at the the entire process. So they're kind of looking to Alberta as a, as a safer place to invest. We're much more friendly with the landlord tenant laws and they're so used to not making money on cash flow that, you know, even if they're only losing a hundred dollars, it seems like a fantastic deal here in Alberta. So it, it really does come down to perspective, but you talk to the, the long-term investors, and if you have that cash flow, it gives you so much more flexibility when the market does go up and down. You can move your rents up and down, and you're not losing money every month.
0: Interesting. And uh, Bill, you're, what is the best way, if people wanted to reach out to you, what are some of the best ways to reach you? What's your current business? I mean, I think you're involved in utilities a little bit. You're involved in helping people with, you know, evictions, whether it's a, a good landlord and a bad tenant or a good tenant and a bad landlord. What are some of your other, like, You got a few, your wife, Karen, is doing online art lessons, I believe.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you can find my stuff at, you know, albertaeviction.com. I can be reached through there or theeducatedlandlord.com. And of course, if you need more artwork for your house, you know, there's always uh, karenbiko.com. So she's got her artwork up there and then classes. Thank you. Lovely stuff too.
0: Yeah. Every
1: Tuesday. So yeah, all that, all that kind of keeps us busy and jumping. So.
0: Good. Jumping back to Karen and her parents. It sounds like her parents are uh, in Victoria. Did she grow up there?
1: No, she grew up actually in Winnipeg and New Zealand and Calgary. So she, she was around a little bit and her ty- parents really liked Victoria. So they actually bought rental property out there, you know, 15 years before they retired. And they had the property waiting for them when they, when they were ready to move out there, which ironically was less than a year after we got married. Hmm.
0: <laughs> nice. And what part of Victoria are they in? Are they? In, I'm asking this sort for a couple of reasons. My son Jacob is currently selling in Victoria, a real estate agent, just in the last year, and he's talking about like like you and I both know Marlboro Park, for example, and a single family home there that might cost three hundred thousand or three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And he's sending me these examples of similarly sort of located properties in Victoria, like they're not Marlboro Park, but they're similar kind of not the best communities and not really bad and uh, you know selling like 1.3 million dollars What yeah. where, where did your uh, parents-in-law end up buying in Victoria?
1: I don't know the exact name of the district but they're just a little ways from Gonzales Bay uh, which is a nice oh, area okay. and you know they've got a heritage home again it's not a huge home but it's it looks fantastic they're on the garden tour so it's a very well-liked little house and block and a half from the ocean. And yeah, it's going to be one of those expensive houses whenever it comes time to sell. Wow. So.
0: Neat. Let me um, ask just a couple more questions. Uh, this is a good one for you. What advice would you give your younger self?
1: You know, one of the things we did is we teamed up with several partners. So we had multiple companies. I think at our peak, we had four companies, real estate companies. If I had to do it again, I would do it all on my own. A lot of new investors want partners because they feel it will take a lot of pressure off of them. And if there's mistakes, you know, it'll kind of be covered up because there's two of them just do it on your own. You know, maybe have mentors, maybe have people you can talk to, which is huge, but you don't really need those partners when you're starting out as much as you think you need them. And it will make your life a little bit simpler. The other thing we probably wouldn't have gone as crazy like we were buying and values were going up so much and we were refinancing and pulling the money out and buying even more, you know, at what level is, what level safe and what level's happy, you know, 20, 25, 30, you just keep on growing and growing. You know, if we would have taken some of that money and just paid down more of those mortgages, we would have been in a much safer, much more equitable position and had, you know, half a dozen properties all paid off, uh, which just changes life for, for anybody. So uh, those would probably be some of the major lessons I'd, I'd mention, and you know, hanging out with groups, like-minded individuals, so that you're getting that right feedback and you're getting the right information you need to help you grow. Those are, those would be key for me.
0: Excellent, excellent. Share is built. Thank you so much. So, folks, I guess I just want to, as as we're entering another boom market here in you know Calgary, ours, what I think was a boom market, probably towards the start of it and you're investing in Calgary real estate and you need help with evictions or actually utilities. We never talked a whole lot about that. I know Bill's in that kind of that sharing of utilities. Reach out to Bill. He's got a wealth of experience and he seems to have a little more time to uh, cool it and talk and share. I think he probably acts as a bit of a therapist to many. Is that true, Bill, in your work? uh, Talk about talking
1: people off of the ledge. Yeah. You know, here's one last fun little tale. I talked to so many landlords that, you know, they go through their first eviction and they've had maybe two or three tenants. They've had a property for four or five years. They finally have an eviction and they say, that's it. We're selling the property. We're out of here. And, you know, you've, you've just gone through what's probably the worst, although I've got other worst stories, but you've gone through what's probably the worst situation that happens to the majority of landlords, a bad tenant. You know, now you understand more of the rules. You will be so much more diligent screening going forward and being more diligent about your property that you're actually probably in a better position to avoid this for the next five to 10 years as well. So, you know, suck it up, get back in there and just be more careful.
0: I've seen a lot of that as well and give the same advice. Whereas it's like, it takes work. Any kind of investing takes work. You know, your own financial plan takes a little bit of work, I think, to do it well. Not that I have investments in anything other than real estate, but it takes work. And so, and sometimes it, it mostly goes really well and easy, but sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> we have to be prepared for that. That's great advice, Bill, for the listener. But if they do insist that they want to sell, you know, I know who a to guy. Send them I to- <laughs> know a guy. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. I think that we should probably have part two sometime in the next month where we focus maybe a little bit more on some realm of the real estate cycle or um, or of something like that.
1: It'd be awesome. I really enjoyed myself Brian. Uh, it's good to catch up. I mean we started chatting it seems like only a couple hundred years ago but I mean 15 16, 17 years ago somewhere in that realm we first met mm-hmm. we took some training sure. together at one point and you know it's just nice to catch up and be able to do stuff like this and share information to help people move forward so. I'm excited about the stuff you've been doing and helping people. So let's just both keep on moving forward.
0: Keep on moving forward, 100%. Thanks so much, Bill.
1: All right. Thanks, Brian.